0: With me today, I have the editorial director of 9 Marks, Jonathan Lehman, just hot off of teaching a class on church membership and church discipline to the radio students. Which Thank was you. so fun. Really?
1: What great students. They seem to be in conversations outside, uh, beforehand, the good questions they're asking throughout, sharp, thoughtful people. Thank you for the chance to uh, teach them.
0: Yeah, well, the church discipline part was worth its weight in gold, that statement at the very beginning, just what your church that you are planning has in common with the historic church is the most important thing about it, Uh, that was very, very helpful. So glad you could be here. Glad you could bring your wife. Oh, so fun. Yeah. I'm glad our wives are hanging out there together. Couple questions. Just Mm -hmm. want to get some stuff out there for pastors and potential people who want to head to the field, church planters. Um, Let's talk about the church just really quickly. Why is ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, why is that important? for missionaries heading overseas why is that something that should be primary one of the main things that they have in their tool belt in their backpack as they head overseas
1: in some way the question is part of the problem Uh, the question indicates that many evangelical evangelicals today don't recognize how the christianity is the church life amen right um your question, why do they need to know ecclesiology? It's kind of like asking a construction crew who's going to go over to Budapest and build buildings, why, do your, why does your construction crew need to know how to do construction? You're a football coach going over to start a new program in Zambia, American football. Why, why does your football coach need to, to understand football?
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. that's what it is. That's what they're there to do, right, mm-hmm. with that construction crew, with that football coach, with those church planners, missionaries so i think of i think of 1 peter 2:10 once you were not a people now you are a people once you had not received mercy now you have received mercy typically we thinking about the gospel as not have mercy declare the mercy of God, people come into a knowledge of God's mercy, that's conversion. But notice what Peter parallels with that line, once you were not a people, now you are a people, mm. which is to say conversion is corporate, yeah. which is to say becoming a Christian means signing up for a family photograph, which is to say those people bringing in the gospel, if they're doing it right,
2: mm.
1: are also bringing the church. Why do you need ecclesiology? Because that's what you're bringing. You are bringing the good news of God's work and salvation in creating a people for himself to the praise of his glorious grace. So how do we identify those people? Who are they? What obligations do they have to each other? How do they guard and protect the gospel?
2: Hmm.
1: How does leadership work? How do you draw the line between the inside and the outside? How do you practice church discipline? What is church membership? Is it really in the Bible? Okay, what does baptism and the supper have to do with all of this?
2: Yeah.
1: Is that like somehow just arbitrary things, the acts of grace that we receive? Okay, all of this is part and parcel of making disciples. Amen. And drawing them into covenanted assemblies together. Hmm. So, yeah, this is, this is central to a missionary's work.
0: So, guys, who would take Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and say, "I don't see church in there. I see go and make disciples." Yeah. And usually, they leave off twenty and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Sure, they would. That you read would that say text that, in isolation. Yeah,
1: they no, they do. Yeah, they 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 read that text in isolation. Whereas, if you're paying attention to Matthew's gospel as a whole, hmm. and you're reading it in context of Matthew sixteen and eighteen, as Matthew and Jesus tells you you should, you'll understand that that's a text for planting churches yeah. W- what am I looking at well I, I think Matthew creates at least or Jesus gives us at least three textual links between 16, 18 and 20 first of all the, the textual link of heaven and earth language so think 16 and 18 whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven yeah. Matthew 28 all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me Right. you see a textual link in the language of in the name where two or three are gathered in my name there i am among them okay matthew 18 verse 20 and then matthew 28 baptize into the name of the father son and spirit who has the authority to baptize into the name well presumably it's those who gather in the name third textual link language of presence wherever two or three are gathered in my name there am i among them That is to say, not that he's hovering like a mystical fog in the room. That is to say, they represent me. They speak for me. They bind and loose on my behalf, right? And there I am. And then, Matthew 28, teaching him to obey everything I've commanded. Mm -hmm. And I will be with you always to the end of the age, right? So Matthew, as a gospel writer, is telling us to read chapter 28 in context of Matthew 16, and 18, which is to say they are church-planting texts. And this is not a new idea. Right. This this is how the churches read that historically. And throughout the New Testament, what do you see? You see the apostles going and planting churches. That's just what they do. Mm. And Christians in the New Testament are all part of churches. Yep. So they were looking at it, and they were seeing Matthew 28 as a church-planting text, mm. whether or not some people in the 20th century, 21st century can or can't see that. It's there.
0: Mm. Okay, so we see churches being the goal yeah. of what the mission, what the Great Commission is the about. The means and the goal. The means and the goal, the object of the Great Commission, to see right. these churches planted. Why in missions today do we see such an emphasis? This is generally what we're seeing down at Radius. As we have different agencies, even churches that send us their members on occasion to train them up and to send them to the field. There's an emphasis on let's get this done as quickly as possible because we have a lot of people out there dying and going to hell. We need to get these churches planted as fast as possible. And it tends to produce something that maybe is a little different than what we're seeing biblically prescribed as a church. There, there's things in there, whether that's unbelievers as part of a church, two or three are gathered together, all of a sudden then we're a church and we have there's no foundation to that. Where do you think this is coming from? Why is missions speed Kind of one of the the animating factors in missions today
1: yeah uh several things number one urgency is good mm. people are dying and going to hell there, there should be a burden in our a, a burden of urgency in our hearts to share mm. the gospel with people so yeah. I, I don't want to i don't want to diminish at all that sense of urgency yeah. that people feel what, what, what i push back against however is zeal urgency without knowledge mm-hmm. without wisdom, right? Uh, uh, What I would push back against is a kind of short-term thinking Mm -hmm. that characterizes pragmatic individualistic evangelicals. What I would push back against is a lack of ecclesiology that is just characteristic of evangelicals in the American context for the last 50, 60, 70 Years and a failure to recognize this long slow careful work of planning churches is actually better for the church and the witness and reaching people in the long run mm-hmm. yeah i can get my kids energetic and hyper right now by giving them a lot of sugar how long is that going to last mm-hmm. and there's kind of a adrenaline-rest, sugar-giving impulse in evangelicals. we got to do whatever we can this Sunday to get as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. But the problem along the way is we're not paying attention to our Bibles and what they say about the good of long-term work that actually lasts. And that's where we look to Jesus and the apostles and the fact that they established churches, right? Mm -hmm. So there's just a short-term individualistic pragmatism which prevails in American churches, Mm -hmm. first of all, and so that's what you see across the american landscape right and the trouble is you then export what you manufacture so if i'm manufacturing consumeristic individualistic short-term thinking churches here
2: mm.
1: what are my intuitions going to be if i've grown up inside of those churches they're, they're going to be those same kinds of intuitions and i'm going to go overseas and do the same thing now what's What's, what's interesting to me in, in my conversations with missionaries very often, especially those pushing towards other kinds of rapid uh, multiplying movement type of work, is very often those people are wonderfully zealous and pious before the Lord, True. and they're like, they're looking at the American church, and they're thinking, this is kind of weak and anemic, and we want something more radical, and so they wonderfully give themselves over to that kind of radical follow Jesus, though it cost mm-hmm. me everything sort of lifestyle, that's great. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they still haven't been trained in understanding what the church is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that raising churches is kind of like raising children. How long does that take? Quite a while. I got I got teenagers. It's slow. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors going on here, I think, looking back at both just the American context and what we've grown up inside of, as well as the training we've received and the ecclesiology we've seen, received. And especially the thing I want to highlight is that kind of short-term thinking Mm. i mean we could talk about multi-site multi-services and all that and say that's more short-term thinking Mm. you know what i mean there's there's a lot of lot of consequences in our american practices that come out of that kind of individualistic short-term pragmatic thinking and the missions field too
0: yeah give me okay so nine marks guy you guys focus on the church you're big on the church let's put the missions to the side well we're big on
1: christianity (laughs)
0: True. Which looks like the church. Good catch. <laughs> okay. Helpful, very helpful. Yeah. Okay, give me two or three things, four or five if you want to get into them. The church, downstream from the church, we always say, from your theology will flow your missiology. Yeah, that's From right. your church will flow your missionaries.
1: Yeah, yeah, your missiology is coming out of your ecclesiology, coming out of your missiology.
0: So yes. what are the things that you're seeing in the evangelical world today, in the Protestant evangelical world that are down or that are upstream from missions that you would say this is probably affecting this. These are some of the pragmatic things, these are some of the speed oriented things, the things that will trickle down to the finishing the task. Let's get this done, let's go really quickly. What are those things in the church today that are kind of like hallmark things you would go, yeah, that probably affects that?
1: Yeah, sure, in some ways. Uh, these, these are the very things I've been talking about with that kind of individualism and consumerism and attractionalism and pragmatism which, mm. which then impacts how we do missions work uh, let me in your talk of urgency and speed let, let me let me talk about
2: mm-hmm.
1: several highlight several things theologically I, I think there's a lot of there's there's a deficient understanding of the gospel mm-hmm. a thin view of the gospel kind of an easy believism gospel wow. a thin view of conversion so Jesus is savior once saved always saved
2: mm-hmm.
1: as opposed to Jesus is lord and savior and um, those who will be saved will be will end, those who are saved will endure to the end a doctrine of perseverance right an understanding of repentance and faith mm-hmm. not just believe but repent and believe if i have an anemic understanding of the word i'm declaring of the gospel i'm declaring Yeah, that's going to show itself in a weak, thin, anemic. People might be being saved sometimes, sometimes not, Mm -hmm. but I'm calling them believers too quickly because I don't have a strong gospel. Mm. I think that's a problem. That's downstream. That shows up in missions. I think uh, a de emphasis on the church and the role of the church as the means and ends of missions, Mm. but instead an emphasis on movements, a movement of God and the Spirit. Uh, uh you know kind of this rapid multiplying movement and we rely on movements taking off what's going on there yeah. well neo evangelicalism at least since the 1950s and uh, and kind of continuing into this day're we're, we're very movement oriented why well we, 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 because because we, we love to see people saved. Mm. We want to see dramatic movements of the spirit we're, we're, we're children of the first and second great awakenings in mm. some respects right we, we want to see the masses coming to christ and that's awesome yep. you see and so we're looking for something special from god that we can see with our eyes yep the idea of a slow plodding ordinary means of grace preach the bible pray the bible sing the bible see the bible read the, in the ordinances read the bible oh that's just that's hard to do because growth comes slowly, that plant slowly growing, those children slowly growing in the faith. Mm. We want something not ordinary. We want something extraordinary. Mm. That's just in our DNA. So we start saying, okay, how do we cultivate a movement? What do I need to do? What processes created those great revivals of the, mm. of the 19th, 18th, and 19th century? What, what steps can I take to re-engineer those same explosions and mm. we go back and we study the history of revivals and we we try to reduplicate that and you see that in every, all sorts of ways you know 1950s 60 70s churches you would see that in the altar calls and those sorts of things today i remember i got to malaysia and uh, some some missionaries picked me up and i was going to go teach uh, some 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 seminarians at malaysian baptist seminary there and the the missionary a s- s- sweet guy picked me up and driving me from the airport, was telling me about what was going on in Kuala Lumpur and all of that. And he started talking about the tipping point. And if we can only reach the tipping point mm-hmm. of conversions here in KL, then then we'll see mass things really start to happen. Reaching that tipping point is is, is crucial sort of movement language. Mm. What's going on there? Well, what's going on is ironically a more sociologically sophisticated version of Charles Finney's old mourner's bench. What what is Finney preaching for in the mourner's bench? He's he's using the powers of psychology
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and the powers of the people around you to feel compelled to come forward and to, you know, profess the name. And so I'm not just relying on the word and the spirit. I'm I'm relying, as it were, on the powers of psychology Mm. at that point. Okay, what is tipping point language? In a certain respect, it's the same thing, albeit sociologically rendered now. If we get 11%, 12% of New York City coming to a saving knowledge of Christ, well, then then everything will start to flow Hmm. as if the Holy Spirit is dependent on that, and that's what we're to be looking for. The Bible doesn't talk that way. The Bible just doesn't talk that way. It talks about preach the word in season and out of season,
2: Hmm.
1: right? It's out of season. I don't care. Preach the word. It's in season. Great. Preach the word, Hmm. you see, um so i i see a lot of that movement not church centered not ordinary means of grace centered but movement powers of psychology and sociology and culture centered approach to making disciples now god does work wonderfully sometimes in movements but we don't have control over that the spirit does let him do as he will i plant paulus waters we'll let the lord give growth ordinarily or extraordinarily as he will we can pray for it great Beyond that, it's over to him. I think that's another downstream problem. Um, I've been giving you a longer answer than you asked for. So. No,
0: no, no. Helpful. Very helpful. Okay, so we've kind of hit a little bit around it. The coin of the realm, uh-huh. the, the head and shoulders, will say at Radius, just based off of the churches and the agencies that interact with us, 80%, 85%, some will say 90% of practices being done overseas are either four fields disciple making movements dmm yep. Yep. or church planting movements cpm sometimes yep. it'll come in other flavors rapid yep. uh church planning short cycle church planning t for t that kind of stuff yeah have you heard of those
1: yeah i have i've begun looking into them begun reading into those things i wouldn't say i feel like a large degree of professional competence in such mm-hmm. matters uh but from what i can tell as you say that's the coin of the realm in, in some ways it's just like what Nine Marx has been talking about just in churches in America for the last 20 years mm. 70, 80, 90% are pragmatic consumeristic mm. so it wouldn't surprise me that the people growing up out of those same churches whether as writers on mission books or missionaries themselves demonstrate a similar percentage mm. right in terms of what their instincts have been formed by yeah it's, it's those same sorts of things um my impression is that there are better and worse versions of it true those that are a little bit more biblical and faithful and those that are less mm. in different agencies mm-hmm. best i can tell some are a little better some are a little bit more naive to the problems that they're they're engendering right uh, with, with those types of things so I, I don't want to come across as just offering a blanket indictment to everybody who has any association with movement centered again there's better and worse versions if if, if you're somebody who finds yourself and that's what you're promoting I, I would encourage you to stop and take a look again at the bible and maybe some of the critiques nine marks been beginning to offer here and there mm-hmm. and the resources that we hope to be coming out with in, in, in future years and and ask yourself are am, am I a better or a worse version even if you're the better version, you should have an interest in figuring out what makes this go wrongly,
2: yeah.
1: and how can you fix, be more biblical in the, the the things that are going on. In the same way, you're going to have more pragmatic and less pragmatic American churches, hmm. right? I think there's a lack of. I think a lot of these people in the better versions, they're working to plant churches, mm-hmm. and they're working to look at the Bible. True, and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I guess I would have questions from time to time in and, and conversion. I am a right understanding of conversion. God is sovereign. We're responsible. We have to understand both, each for its part.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People are called to repent and believe. Be baptized into a Lord's Supper-receiving church, become members of it as led by elders. So I think people, in the better versions of, of movement-driven methodology, there, there is an affirmation of those things yep. I would want to have further conversations kind of the what do you mean what does that look like exactly. if your version of that is a couple of two people who have uh, let me give you a verse if it's a disciple making movement you know these people aren't even professing Christ yet mm-hmm. but now they're leading Bible studies yeah and in some crazy fashion you're calling that a church well we got huge problems let's let's turn the knob up and improve that slightly okay you have a couple of young believers uh they've not been discipled or trained but they've made quick professions of faith because i've gone through a series of bible studies with them and now i'm leaving behind i'm leaving them behind and i'm telling them to quickly plant other churches because i have the speed urgency problem well that's better than the first situation yep. i appreciate that but i still want to say How long a conversation you and I were having just even yesterday, Brooks, about where are they going to be in 10 years? Hmm. So, when they hear Benny Hinn or Joyce Myers coming in over the radio, right, and they hear that, will they think, Oh, that sounds good? Yeah, have you placed the antibodies into their system? That they would recognize the problem with Joyce Myers or Benny Hinn mm-hmm. coming in, or other versions of it, just from, even from their own context.
2: Yep.
1: In 10 years, are they gonna look just like Benny Hinn? Or are they gonna be strong, healthy churches? This goes back to the short term thinking yep. I was talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so that's where I wanna, I wanna I'd, I'd be wanting to push the conversation forward with some of the brothers and sisters who have a, even the healthier versions. Mm-hmm. Of, of a church planning movement yeah, and, and something worth exploring.
0: We have at Radius talked often about the report card for these churches are number one do they exist in five years? Like you, yeah. you plant a church right. we've got a movement we've planted 12 churches let's say in three years how many exist in five years? Yeah. What about seven years? What yeah. about ten years? And let's see what they believe what do they hold to? That's what I'm
1: afraid of. The track record yeah. may not be good.
0: I, Yep. We'll see. God in His grace will measure all these things. In well, the
1: question I want to ask is just uh, if you're planning 12 churches in three years, wow, praise the Lord. But are you doing that in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Why would Good you project. have different expectations for Samarkand, Uzbekistan, or, you know, Sri Lanka, than you would for Tulsa or Albuquerque mm. or Baltimore? Nobody's planting churches that fast in American cities. cities. Mm. London. Well, why not? If it works well, there over there, why didn't it work over here? Yeah. Well, because we we kind of know better, frankly. Over here, everybody would say, "Yeah, that's nuts." Mm-hmm. But it's like the rules change over there. There's an ironic. There's the kind of uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, the uh, unintended. Uh, racism, unintended prejudice, of low expectations.
0: True. There's an ethnocentrism. There's an
1: ironic ethnocentrism, an ironic prejudice, an ironic—I don't want to say colonialism, but it's, it's something analogous it to that. stacks of that. It does. Yep. Because it's expecting much less of these people over here than you would in your own country.
0: True. That's where you can get ideas like orality. Well, right. they're an oral culture. Yeah, that's right. Let's not put the expectations on them. You're a Western guy. You. Have, wait, wait, wait somewhere back in our timeline somebody took the time to teach our ancestors how to read and write and it became one of those codified things so now we're going to give a lower form of this Well, you, you know what start- sunday school
1: started out of baptist recognizing we got to teach these kids to read so they can read the bible mm. let's do the hard work of teaching them to read yep. so they can read the bible
0: mm. good point
1: and what's going to be better for the church in the long term when the Benny hymns are piping in
0: true, true people who
1: can read their bibles
0: yep exactly to have the written word in your language that's right nine marks is from what i hear stepping into doing a series on missions why is that why do you think that's an evolution i'm using the word evolution here why do you think that's a area why why is that happening in 9 March? Why would you guys want to step into? Hey, let's take a little bit of a stronger footprint. A lot of the guys coming up through, I've been blessed to meet with a handful of the pastors. you got guys at different parts around the United States, the guys in UAE. I was so incredibly blessed to go over there for the 50-year celebration. Oh, that great church, yeah, yeah, and just yeah. to see John right. I wasn't there, I heard good things, yeah. Oh my goodness, and to see the guys that have come through the internship there and the churches that they've played and yeah. So yeah, now yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. like grandkids coming off of this mama church, so to speak, right there in yeah. UAE and just, yeah. Why is this progression towards missions seemingly happening? I mean, you got the recent book, No Shortcut to Success, Matt Rhodes, really, really helpful resource now I'm hearing that there's probably going to be a series of books. Church-centered like that. missions, yeah. Yeah. Why is that the case?
1: Well, because Nine Marks, as I have already said, is about Christianity. And Christianity is about making disciples. And making disciples is about churches, and churches are about missions, yeah. right? So our ecclesiology, our theology, to our ecclesiology, to our missiology. Mm. So it's... It's the natural evolution, if you want to use that word, that's fine. Uh, It's the natural next step for us to talk about. Mm. So we've been talking about healthy churches in the United States, and the West for a long time, and to some extent around the world, but now we're wanting to um, think more deliberately and carefully uh, and help the missions community and churches sending missionaries community Mm. to think about how part and parcel the churches and healthy churches with missions because we see... Uh, a deficiency in a lot of the literature. We see a lack of good thinking in those, those uh, circles and in that domain. So our primary target with this series isn't so much the missionaries themselves mm-hmm. as it is the churches sending the missionaries. So we want to help the churches think well about missions yeah. so they equip their missionaries and aid and support and help their missionaries well. And then secondarily, yes, the missionaries who go yeah. think well about the crucial role that the church plays in their work. So, yeah, just kind of the next natural step hmm. of the things we've been talking about at Excellent. Nine Marks the last two, three decades. Brother, um, I'm
0: excited about it. Yeah. I mean, I've heard snippets here and there of what's coming out with it. it. sounds good.
1: Give us two or three years.
0: Yeah, for sure. Right now, Pastor sees this in the next three weeks. Goes out in our newsletter. It has a link. Jonathan Lehman's going to talk about missions. He's down in radius um what would be books that you would recommend that okay pastors have three or four couples kind of coming through the pipeline we see them as yeah probably going to go plant churches globally going to go to places where there are no churches going to go to places where there's very limited churches what are some good books that they should apart from the bible as my dear friend mark who oh, will read the bible yes agree what are some other resources that you would say hey read this because it will help you kind of get a little bit of a course correction on maybe some of that 80 70 90 percent dna that's out there or it'll just give you a good grounding in some basic stuff that you need to have before you head to the field
1: yeah uh, churches constitute constituting two steps preaching of the word preaching of the truth preaching of the gospel
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the binding together of those churches yeah. right through the ordinances and membership and discipline so you, you need books on both of those things or to borrow from mark Dover again uh, the, the word of light is, is like life is like is like the water coming out of the fountain mm-hmm. and then the church is the bowl that captures that water and holds it up and puts it on display mm. right so I, I want books I want resources that are both about the water as well about the bowl yep. that's holding it up you know books on the water I'm going to point to something like David Helm's expositional preaching which is useful not just for preaching but for mm. bible study and how do I explain the context this text in its Immediate context in the context of the Bible as a whole in a way that's applied to life today. So I I think that's a useful resource in that regard.
0: A little sidetrack on that. What's the best organization that helps teach expositional preaching? Simeon Trust. Simeon Trust. Charles Simeon Trust. (laughs) Didn't have to lead you very far on that one. Next book. Sorry.
1: Well, nine marks. Mark number one is expositional preaching. They're like the double clicking on that. They're all expositional preaching, right? They're super helpful on that. Um, I think the book Michael Lawrence by conversion, okay, what is that word that's going mm. forth? What transformation do we expect to happen? And what's great about that book, he says this is a book not just about conversion, but about the church. Yep. Why? We'll go back to the things I said at the beginning of this interview. We're converted into a family photograph. Exactly.
0: Saved into community.
1: And and Michael Michael's book, Conversion, has a good understanding of saved into community as well as Divine sovereignty, human responsibility. Mm-hmm. A right understanding of conversion is going to have both of those things, and understand what that has to do with how we do build, plant, lead
0: churches. Yep.
1: Right. So, okay. There's there's the water coming out and the people being transformed, but then the bull. Um,
0: You're not going to say it. Highlight church membership. This little blue book. It's got somebody's name on it. Lehman is the last.
1: one. Yeah, that's right. I think that's I think that's helpful. Yeah. If you want something a little bit more robust. Okay. And vigorous, yeah. By me, uh, I would point to something like "Don't fire your church members," yeah, which is a kind of even more. It's an academic book, lots yeah. of footnotes.
0: Defense of one main concept. What is it?
1: Well, in some ways, you might say it's elder-led congregationalism, yeah. But even more than that, I want to say it's it's that bowl. What that bowl is? My book, "One Assembly," is kind of doing the same thing. It's an argument for a single assembly, but more than that, yeah, it's an argument for what is a church. Mm. So if you're if you're a again, football coach, mm-hmm. you have to understand a football and what it is. Yeah. If you're gonna be a pastor, if you're gonna be a missionary, you've got to understand that ball. You've got to understand what a church is. And what's crazy, Brooks, is seminaries do a meh job of teaching
0: it. True. So you're about to say something? I right? was about to say, so pastor missionary, you would see those almost interchangeably without let's take the cross cultural stuff they got to know how to learn languages got but i mean we've got we're talking about the same skill sets same qualifications true yes, or yes, not yes, true? yes. absolutely true okay
1: i can't imagine sending a missionary who's not elder qualified yeah including able to teach
0: correct uh
1: the, the difference is you know I, I can i can envision sending uh, uh, say a, a single or married female yep. seminary yeah and i wouldn't say they are elder qualified in that one respect right uh so in that sense, I'm not going to equate missionary with pastor precisely because I'm going to send female missionaries.
0: But this is where I love the Simeon Trust guys because when they come down, they teach our men and they bring women to teach our women. Because you get to an Islamic for environment, women our women. women have got to get up and teach no, for our exactly women. Right. And so we need our that's women exactly to be able right. to teach as well
1: so you you know more about this brother than I do. You spent thirteen years in Papua New Guinea. I've not done that. I mean I spent time overseas, even in missions context, but I've not lived it out in the way you have. so my understanding is there's going to be certain skills required of a missionary that Joe Pastor and you know Bumble yeah. to Idaho doesn't know. have to need to have yeah, but biblically,
0: yes, yeah
1: they are they're approximants to one another
0: good, good, good. Uh, Things that excite you. We already talked about the Nine Marks World, uh, the mission series coming out. What are things that you're like, hey, this is kind of cool. This is happening in non-English speaking circles, happening overseas, and even English speaking circles. Again, the whole trip to UAE was such an eye-opener for me. One, the UAE is such a strange environment. I mean, it's like an exotic exotic Yeah crazy it's like fascinating nina and i all we could say is it's like las vegas in the middle east like I know. it's just kind of crazy it is nuts so but to see a good gospel preaching church happening there and to see the fruit of that coming mm-hmm. out, was just yeah it was so mm-hmm. encouraging other things happening in the nine marks world that you would be encouraged about that would be hey this is going global this is happening on a scale outside of our environments whether that's our culture or our language
1: yeah uh, a couple of things about Nine Marks Methodology and going global. Number one, uh, we want to rely on churches. So we are reluctant to go into a place unless there is an on-the-ground pastor and church mm. um, uh, who we are on board with
2: yeah.
1: and and rely on him and his wisdom or those churches that network in, say, India or, or Kuala Lumpur or, or wherever to be doing that work. Um, number two, it doesn't. They don't need to carry our brand. We're not yep. looking to put the IX logo up everywhere, in, yep. you know, in the blue collar You know, it's just like use our name, don't use our name, whatever. We don't care. Um, and so, what's encouraging, what's exciting for us is to watch more and more what we call them hub churches around the planet, different places, capture this vision of what the Bible says the church should mm-hmm. be, and translating that material. So, if you go to ninemarks.org, click on books or publications, books, I think and you click on translations we yeah. just have more and more translations showing up all over the place so recently Colin Hansen and I wrote a book called Rediscover Church it's already been put into 20 different languages hmm. right and and that that's kind of typical so we we have translations going into all of these different and we leave it to the, our partners on the ground to figure out how to best do this and what maybe adjustments that need to be made for that context that's that's encouraging Uh, I just recently taught an ecclesiology class, a full ecclesiology class at Western Western Seminary in Portland that we we videoed. And we have a group in China that is going to, I don't know if they're going to dub it or, I think they're going to dub it.
0: Into Mandarin. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think
1: they're going to dub it. And we'd like to see that in more and more places mm. to provide those sorts of resources around the world. We're doing a set of pastoral toolkits, we call them, mm. which basically means a series of articles and videos around one topic. That again, we hope will be translated yeah. and useful for people around the world. The first one we're doing as an elders,
2: yeah,
1: how to be elders in your context. One thing I, as a the editorial director, am always trying to think about is. How would this play out in a non-American, non-English context? I don't always do a good job of that, mm-hmm. but I'm at least trying to ask the question. And then with our translators and partners around the world, letting them go even further yeah. and be like, okay, Jonathan, those those illustrations you all used, just way too American. Right. You know, you talk about vacation Bible school or American football, it's just, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. And other stuff that, you know, you wouldn't even think of... Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that the world doesn't depend on nine marks it depends on the bible so what are we doing to resource people around the world not with nine marks but with helping them think what the bible says about the church
0: well brother i mean i've been so encouraged with just your guys's appetite to learn in the spirit of missions and just what radius is about mark's been down here a few times a handful of the other brothers that i trust so very much and we've had our people graduate from here and end up helping out in different nine mark churches going through internships and just it's been an encouraging path for us because it means that there's a learner's heart there and that's a huge deal yeah so encouraged by that greatly um let me hit one other hot button one and then we'll jump Uh into some closers okay uh prayer walks really popular kind of happening i'm all for
1: walking and praying
0: (laughs) i am too what do you got against walking and praying Brooks? very little the walking (laughs) sometimes not so much but yeah (laughs) the praying for sure Um, but used as an evangelistic tool or starting to look at territorial spirits. There's even this thing, our friend Caleb Morrell has done a little more research on this, like uh, mapping of spirits and praying specifically for those types of spirits to be removed or to be disempowered or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on that? Just a general out there question, because prayer walks are gaining in popularity and praying out the regional spirits of the area. Yeah. Thoughts on that?
1: it's really hard to live by faith we want to see stuff Mm. we want quick fix pragmatic steps to take that we think will help us see results Mm. plotting slowly preaching the bible praying the bible seeing the bible the stuff the bible actually emphasizes and talks about That requires faith because we so desperately want to see, and that's a good desire. But just relying on what the Bible emphasizes—what does Paul emphasize? Does does Paul, Peter, John, Jesus—they talk about prayer walks, mapping? Not that I've read. I mean, I know how those books go. I know how they work. Often, somebody will grab a single text and like turn it into something that you know, know, Jesus telling the demons to go into the pigs, or, or, or maybe you know. Different angels in the book of Revelation. Oh, maybe there's a corresponding demon. You know, okay, yeah. is that is that what Mark is trying to do? when Jesus says, "Go into the pigs,"
2: mm.
1: or is it just showing Jesus' authority over the demons? Mm. Is that is that what what John is trying to get at when he talks about the angel mm. in each of that? Oh, in fact, there's territorials.
2: Yeah, you're
1: you're just making that up at this point.
2: Yeah,
1: and if it's there, I'm just not seeing it. Right. So I guess what I'd want to say is, let's emphasize what the Bible emphasizes, Mm -hmm. trusting the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to have revealed everything that's necessary for life and doctrine. Mm -hmm. So I think what you have here in some way is a sufficiency of Scripture, Mm -hmm. authority of Scripture, authority and sufficiency of Scripture problem. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think it's something additional, or maybe I'm grabbing something obscure from the Old Testament that shows up in one verse in Chronicles or Judges or whatever. And I'm taking that, I'm designing my entire evangelistic program Mm -hmm. out of that one verse, prayer of Jabez style, out of Chronicles, right? Now we have this massive industry of evangelicals going down. Just, Just read the New Testament. Read the Old Testament, yes. Right. But how we read the Old Testament through the New Testament in terms of what you're doing for your evangelistic ministry, your disciple-making ministries, it's just, it's just there. Yeah. What are they emphasizing? So all of that stuff, I'm afraid it's a distraction. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid it's its its um, potentially pa- uh, tapping into understandable impulses to see, but not faith-driven impulses mm-hmm. to trust what the Bible says.
0: Yeah, true, true. You've been down here, got to spend a night, got to hang out, go get some tacos, tacos. with the students last night. It was
1: awesome. It was so great. I loved it.
0: And you were crazy. You are, I was telling the students, you're the first guy from the nine march world to bring his wife. And she Am I? Yeah. Like oh. we haven't had anybody else bring their wives down. Maybe she's
1: been energized by seeing the fellowship and the fire for three 3S, Fellowship and Fire for uh, I can't think of another F. For for, so for, for the gospel uh, among these students, it's been really encouraging.
0: Good, good, good. Thoughts on radius? Just pastor. Hey, I know Jonathan. I don't know radius. What would you say? What's it about? What would it would it be helpful for pastors in certain realms if they think if they're thinking about sending their people to the field?
1: Crucial, awesome, wonderful.
0: Wasn't how's, it? how's four, that? Yeah, that was definitely not three F's, but it was okay.
1: Uh, Crucial, awesome, wonderful. Here's here's why. And I, look, I'm, I'm going on based on an evening of conversations with students, what I know you're committed to just from our, our larger relationship, what I know you're committed to. But then just on the ground, an evening of conversations with students yeah. and the kind of questions that were coming back to me in, in class today as well as a breakfast time conversation. What, what am I hearing? What am I seeing? I'm, I'm seeing students who recognize, uh, because they've been living inside of a other cultural environment and experiencing the, the challenges of that, of, of making relationships with local business owners and sharing the gospel with folk like that and relying on them for certain things and the exercises that you, you give to them, who uh, are seeing both the challenges of placing yourself in an unfamiliar overseas context but also, what was interesting to me is they were all, it's like they were reading from a similar script hmm. about what missions is And part of me wants to say, oh, well, if churches were doing their jobs and seminaries were doing their jobs, radius wouldn't have to exist. I don't know if that's true. Hmm. I do feel like you guys are offering a unique value added. In some sense, teaching what good theology is and what good ecclesiology is and even what good missiology is doesn't need radius, formally speaking, But because so many churches and so many seminaries aren't teaching those things, it needs radius. Mm. But even more, that embeddedness and living inside of a fellowship, a community of people who are sharing that, I think is dramatically impacting, shaping their, their, not just them at the formal principle level, but almost at an intuitional instinct Mm. level uh, about what does it take to go overseas Mm. to an unreached, unengaged language group Mm. situation Plant, make disciples, and plant churches there. Hmm. Um, and my expectation is, is you are raising, equipping, building people up for the long haul,
2: hmm.
1: not just show up for two, three, four, five years. Is so often the case, and people returning. Yep. but they're there for ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. True. That's hard. Hmm. Let's go back to that whole short-term versus long-term conversation. So much missions work is preparing people for short-term. By short-term, I don't mean two weeks. I mean two years, three years, four years, yep. five years. That kind of mission work. Where it's clear to me, you guys are preparing them for the long haul. True. And giving them right ecclesial and missiological instincts, intuitions, principles as well about how to do that. and forming them in a communal context which is so powerful mm. so yeah, i would highly encourage i'd highly encourage pastors to come take a look at this and think about it absolutely
0: mm. yeah well you're catching them on the final two weeks oh yeah, of their yeah, yeah, nine-month yeah, 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 yeah. journey and yeah they are it's just it's so encouraging it's the reason my wife and i came here was to impact the nations through pouring into these 50, 60, 70, every year. It's and awesome. These I hope guys, you stay.
1: I hope you keep doing it. It's evidently fruitful.
0: Yeah. It's encouraging on a variety of levels. Thanks for making the trip down. Yeah. Sure whatever. appreciate you having the to conversation. Come back. We'd love to have you back. Thanks, brother. Thanks.